Action Park Media. Welcome to Flashbacks. I'm Jessica Hall. I'm Deanna Stagliano. And today is going to be so fun. We have a I good know. story in store for everyone. Oh, I see where you went You there. see what I did? I did. That was so pretty good. Play on my yeah, words kind yeah. of thing. I'm going to go with that. I like it. Oh, thanks. So I think we should just jump right into it since we are late. Deanna. <laughs> I know. Should we apologize? So embarrassing. Should we get on the floor and grovel? I don't. What's that word again? Grovel? Yeah. Isn't that like begging? Isn't I don't know. Grovel like begging? Okay. Do you know I know how old you are? <laughs> you just said should we get on the floor and grovel? Isn't that groveling? Probably. You're probably right. She's a writer. She would know. Okay. Well, you know what? Can we just use different words for now on? <laughs> Let's dumb it down for me. No intelligent words for you. I just don't have time anymore. <laughs> that doesn't even make zero sense. But just go with it. Okay. Without further ado, Brian Davis. Hi. Author. Friendly face. Instagram star, all of the things. We're so excited. Jessica and I were uh, discussing your book on our panic attack way in. Um, And we were so excited because our first question really was, we were trying to figure out, was the book fiction or nonfiction? Like, was it you or was it loosely based or is it just a story that you wanted to tell? Well, before we say that, uh, can you go ahead and say the title of the book? I know it, but I don't want to like botch it by saying because it's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's it's like dirty words and I love, but I love it. That's what (laughs) got me. This is right up Jessica's alley. It really was because, you know, I've been in the business since I was 19 and I've seen probably a lot just as, you know, as much, not as much as you, but at least you were able to write it down and remember. And before we just get into it, go ahead and let the listeners know what the name of the book is and where they can actually see it themselves. It's called Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. It's literally the longest title. They wanted me to change it. And I was like, no, it is this title, but you can get it on Amazon worldwide. You know, the Audible book is out and everything. So yeah. I'm just really proud of it. And I wrote it like a memoir. I wrote it in 45 days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It just like, I hit 10 years of recovery and sex and love addiction. And my husband was like, hey, there's this writing course. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm an actress. I've been a working actress for 20 years. Just give me the dialogue. I don't want to write it. And what happened is, after the sixth time, I was shooting Lucifer at the time. And he's like, please just take this writing That's course. where I know you from. <laughs> I kept trying to figure out how I knew you. And I knew it wasn't just because I have Donna, your book. Don't embarrass yourself right Stop now. It. Stop it. Jessica gets. She bought the book. I fangirl. She I do. does. Stop. I do. Okay. I totally on. watched um, Lucifer. So I that just, that's where I know you from. Well, I'm one of those actresses that I've been in like a lot of shit. And people are like, I know you, but they can never <laughs> place me, which is kind of nice because I don't work ever. together at McDonald's one? <laughs> yeah, they always <laughs> think they. One time I had someone in, in the airport being like, wait, are you that annoying bubble girl, like water girl? Because I was like the bubble Dasani girl for a couple years. Oh. I did the most annoying commercial known to man. So <laughs> that was like the only time somebody recognized me and from six on history. But honestly, I've just like don't care about writing. And what happened was it was like this moment of like, okay, I'm 10 years in recovery in this sex and love addiction that nobody talks about that our entire society is struggling with connecting intimacy and their sexuality, especially with social media and porn and all that stuff going on. And yeah, I wrote it in 45 days as a memoir, me. But when I was doing the rewrites and the editing, all these other stories started coming in past situations and dreams. And I knew if I didn't change enough stuff, I would get sued. So I just made it a Roma Clef fiction. Mm -hmm. So I can say, you don't know which story is mine. You can try to guess or you don't know who I'm talking about. It's like a fun game. 
It's like, where's Waldo? Someone can try <laughs> to have a game with it. And but, the lead character's name is Roxanne. Yes, that came from Pandora. It was on, and Roxanne. I was like, who? Oh. Yes, the police song. I was like, yes, that's her name, because everybody has some Roxanne in them. Everybody stayed in a bad relationship because they wanted someone to love them. Everybody's either cheated, had one-night stands, gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. So I'm like, everybody has some Roxanne in them. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I do. I like that name. It was the first thing it that does, I thought of. because when she said everyone has little Roxanne, because when you think of that person, yeah. I mean, you yeah. nailed it. Yeah. I mean, for you to come up with, and I know a lot of it is based on personal, um, I don't want to say mem- memories, personal yeah. experiences. Ex- experiences. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Personal experiences. Was it hard? Like, you know, because you, you just said, which I did not know, but you been in recovery yes. to have to relive that. Yeah like certain moments of the book, certain chapters, was anything hard to write and to kind of relive? Or maybe it was therapeutic, right? To put it all out. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gianna's very positive. I'm the glass half like, full one here. No, I was literally just like allowing something bigger than me. I don't know if you believe in God or higher power, universe, mm-hmm. whatever, but it was literally just flowing through me and I just assumed the position and started writing. So it wasn't really therapeutic because I've done eight years of therapy twice a week, did the 12 steps. I'm in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I've been in the program almost 12 years. I'm an old timer because it's hard to get recovery in the program. So it wasn't therapeutic. It was torture. Oh, The rewrites were torture. The chapter five, six, and seven, it's about walking through the fire and letting yourself burn. It's pretty much letting your old self die and your new self die, looking back at the why. And then the other one is compare and despair. Those three chapters, every time I rewrote them, I was like, please just kill me because this is torture. Oh. And so those are like, like the that, that, those are the bad parts, you know, oh. the, the hard parts. I would imagine those are probably really hard to relive. And, and Yeah, and then I had to do the audio book, which they oh. didn't tell me. I tried to I tried to hire our mutual friend, Jana Kramer. Yeah. Like, can you play Roxanne and just read the book for me? And they're like, no, you can't hire anybody. I like audiobooks, so now knowing that it's on, I'm probably going to do I it. acted out, too. I mean, I did it for two and a half weeks I recorded. I think I ate five bags of chips. It was, I, I was emotionally chips. eating just my feelings. Yeah. I wanted to crawl out of my skin every time I read it because I'm dyslexic on top of it. I have ADHD. And then imagine sitting in front of someone with the sound booth saying the most gnarly, it's like your worst diary and it's so graphic and so sexual. And then it's like self-deprecating. And yeah. It's really a long share. People that read the book say it's like a long share. You get to like go through the entire journey of Roxanne the first year of her recovery. Like all the attic thoughts. When you know someone and they say, I'm not going to do that. And then they do it anyways. Like you get in the mind of that person and think, yeah. oh, that's why she did it. Like, I'm not going to go sleep with my ex and then finding yourself going back and doing that. Yeah. I th- well, I think a lot of people can relate to that. For yeah. sure. Now, for me, when you say you were, you are yes, a recovering, are. Se- say the title? Sex addict. Right? Sex but, and love addict. Sex, sex and, and love, love addict. addict. Yes. Can you please explain that to me a little? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like my favorite question. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> because I'm sitting here and I want to really get right. involved in this conversation. But I, I think I need to know exactly what that entails. Because I, I have seen, obviously, movies and different um, groups. I know you said you are in one, but I want to hear from an actual person that's experiencing it and, and for Walking the last 12 it. years. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. I love this question because usually when we think of like a sex addict, sex and love addict, we think about a guy. 
getting caught cheating on his wife, and now he has to go to sex rehab. That's the only thing people think of. Yeah. But it's such a wide range of addiction. So let's start on the sex side. Mm -hmm. So the sex side of it is we use our sexuality and sexual things to have control and power over other people. Oh, yeah. We We are addicted to people like alcoholics are addicted to bottles of alcohol or heroin addicts addicted to heroin. So what we call those people are qualifiers or they okay. bring us into the program. So the sex side is you could be addicted to masturbation or porn or one night stands or going online looking for your next hit, like swiping left, swiping right, you know, going from relationship oh, to relationship. Okay. And for me personally, I was a cheater. You know, I'd be in a relationship with someone that I thought I loved and I I was in love with falling in love. You know, that butterfly feeling, that first kiss, first touch, you know, that high, yeah. like the best high in the world. But that always wears off. Like after a year, a year and a half, you move in together, reality hits. And I would find myself being like, this is not real life. Like I want the movies. I want the passion constantly. And so I'd have one foot in and one foot out of a relationship. So I would like always. Oh, yeah. I would always over kind of overlap and kind of be like moving out, but then not really being completely clear because I hate breaking up with people. Yeah. So I definitely wasn't like the best girlfriend ever. And I'll admit it. And that's what I write about in the book. You know, all the bad things that I've done doesn't make me a bad person. I just didn't have the tools to have healthy relationships. I didn't see my parents having a healthy relationship. They were miserable. Then if you look on the love side, that's where you're addicted to like a bad relationship going back. Like think of all your friends and you're like, that person goes back to a bad relationship. I think almost every single one of my friends have slept with an ex. (laughs) Yeah, like keep going back. Or they just went back or, and I have to say not, I don't think one time it's, I actually have one friend that it actually succeeded, but most of the time it does not. No, because yeah. you're trying to make this unavailable person be available because underneath you feel so worthless. So you're like, if I can get this person to love me, then Is I'll it be one of those worthy. things as like, oh, to get him to change? Because I have friends that think that they can change these guys. I'm like, you're not going to change them, but they're like addicted to, they fixing. want to be the one mm-hmm. to fix and change. But yeah, they want again, to be enough to be enough for them to change. Got it. So know. that love side is like addicted to fan intriguing and intriguing is like one step up from flirting it's like acting available giving out your number when you're actually not available then there's flirting then there's going online constantly searching dming people on instagram is a huge one that takes oh, I'm people sure. down. Oh, i imagine social media is making it make it horrid right it's made it and just a whole easy. other animal yeah you well, should not be that reachable yeah. but but we are yeah in today's day and age well that's the thing and that's why i spoke out listen i was happy never telling anybody I was in this program. There's 3 million of us in the United States. And that statistic, that's 6% of the United States, that was like seven years ago. And I'm telling you, it has blown up. It's And the younger generation is coming in and they're suffering so much. There's so much suicide. There's so many like they can't connect their sexuality to their intimacy. They're always trying to get someone to love them constantly. The likes and all that, that attention seeking. That's what the love addiction is, that attention seeking So it's more than, okay, you're already blowing my mind because when you first sat in here (laughs) and you said what it is, it's, of course, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, you know, you're addicted to sex, you're this. There's so much more to it. When you just said, like, the attention, the Mm -hmm. likes, the change, I mean. The walking down the street and having someone, like, look at you, the eyes. 
And then if someone doesn't give you attention, you're like, wait, do I not look good today? Like, is that constant seeking? So if you could imagine like inside there's this hole and that people use other people to fill them. It's just constantly like, give me love, give me validation, give me attention. kind of doesn't even matter who. No, it doesn't matter who. And it's not really even about the sex. The sex is just a way to manipulate and control. And mm-hmm. to use your sexuality to get what you need. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, I I've never had a one-night stand. Like, I'm a sex and love addict. never had a one-night stand. I tried to have one, but you just kept calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Yours ended up in 10 years of marriage. <laughs> no, that's a different one. Oh, yeah, actually, kind of. Yeah, no. I, I mean, remember having a boyfriend, like, in college, and it was one of those situations where, like, he was a great guy. We had a great relationship, and at some point, maybe I loved him. But I remember thinking, like, we would break up, like, every six months, and, like, I would always go back. Because I couldn't stand to see him with someone else. And I would convince myself that I loved him and I needed to be with him. So I'd be like, oh, I I want you again. Let's be together. And it would last for another six months. And then we'd break up again. And as soon as I see that he moved on with someone, it would just like kill me to see him with anyone else. So I was like, oh, well, no one else can have you. Only me. I think that's different, though. Is that different from what you're saying? Or is that kind of relating to the same? Well, it seems like, I mean, that can definitely qualify you for a program. There's these 40 questions that you can answer. They're self-diagnosed. You can go online, type it in, 40... S-L-A-A, self-diagnosed questionnaire. Write that down, Deanna. We should do that on air. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yes. It's my favorite quiz ever. Yes. But does it, like, self-diagnose you for a lot of things? Well, it's... We might be scared. No, no. It's all sex. I'm down. (laughs) No, but it's questions like, do you look for somebody to fix you? Do you keep going back to bad relationships? And relationships meaning, is that even with friendships and... Friendships is everything. So when I looked at the 12 years, I had to reevaluate every relationship because I realized I used my girlfriends to fill me. There was this one moment I was sitting in the car and I got bad news and I called a friend and I kept her on the phone for like 20 minutes trying to like make me feel better. And this happened and then this happened and then this and then I didn't blah, blah, blah. And then I hung up with her and I didn't feel better. And I picked up the phone and I did that four times. I called four friends and it hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, oh my God, I use everybody in my life to make me feel better. It's just not a partner, a lover. Mm -hmm. I use every single person. And then I looked at my family and it was like, we had no boundaries and everything was so enmeshed. And it was just like every relationship. It's about every relationship because what it comes down to is that I did not have enough self-love. You have to get it from yourself. You live and die with yourself. No one's going to go with you. So why am I putting out all this energy, like love me, raping people of their energy because I'm so depleted. So the whole program is really focused on at the end, finding your own self-love and self-worth. So if my husband left me today, I would be okay. So and how long have you been married? 16 years. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. So you must have walked through all of this recovery and really diving into everything with him. Yeah, yeah, with him. It was brutal. The good thing is he saw my addiction not about him. He didn't make it about him. You know, if you are with someone that loves to flirt and intrigue, they're like, wait, am I not enough? The good thing, he was already in a 12-step program. Right now, he's 32 years sober in AA and then 10 years in another program. So he understood that it was an addiction, that I wasn't like, there. he could never be perfect enough for me. He could never give me enough. It was always like more, more, take, take. I was such a taker. I was like an ATM, like just taking money, take, take, take. So yeah, we've been together 16 years. We went, we walked through fire together. We were willing to like let each other go. I mean, from the first year of my recovery, my withdrawal and withdrawal is when you come off the high, you have to set these bottom lines. And then 
and you read about it in the book, and it's talking about like no flirting, texting, or emailing any men whatsoever. I got rid of all my guy friends. I literally would go to a restaurant and not look at any waiters Mm. because I realized I would flirt with the chair. It was always about like, give me attention. So that withdrawal from that addiction, it was nine months of hell. I cried every day for nine months. It was like a part of me was dying. And what happened is this one guy came in, he was just, he was off heroin. And he said, I can quit heroin, but I can't quit her. Oh. And that was just like, oh, this is no joke. Like people commit suicide over this breakups, you know, watch a dateline. Yeah. Yeah. Every dateline is like a love triangle. Someone's cheating. Someone's doing something. So this is like a no joke, deadly disease. I know more people commit suicide, been in jail. I spoke at jails for two and a half years at the women's prison. Every woman in there was in there for sex and love addiction. So It was, I'm really, it was hard to go through it with my husband, but we made it on the other side. Yeah. It kind of does surprise me that I personally, I feel like I'm in tune with, I mean, besides technology, but with (laughs) what's going on and with my friends and talking. And this is really enlightening to hear because, again, I was the one that thought it was like a kind of a different thing. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just being like honest. You like you sit around and you're stuck watching. I mean, sure, it's a yeah. It's like people who are addicted to porn. There's probably different. It's just, yeah. it ranges. Right, right. Like someone well, could be addicted to porn. Someone could be a masturbation. Like they masturbate when they don't want to feel a feeling. So we sexualize mm-hmm. stress, guilt, loneliness, mm-hmm. anger, shame, fear, and envy. We sexualize our feelings because we don't want to feel them. But what you just said too about the women's prison. Yeah. And I can, I can of course, picture that because if you do probably ask about absolutely anything like you said it's like this crazy love triangle of cheating this that anger all these emotions that you're talking about they just were not able to control them clearly when was the day that you realized i have this under control and i can write about it and i could talk about it and i cannot look back or like go back to what you were before well i think it's when i got my 10 years it was this moment like i got the gold coin it's like a gold coin with 10 and i was sitting in a room with 90 people i look around and there's an a-list celebrity there's a ceo there's a janitor there's a you know school teacher every walk of life every ethnicity every sexuality and i'm sitting there and this voice came over me because this 20-year-old was speaking and he was just saying how broken he was and how he couldn't get out of the cycle. And I just had this feeling like, oh, I need to go bigger than what I'm doing. Because I started speaking all over the world. I started being of service. I've sponsored thousands of people. So it's just like this moment where it's like, I'm okay. Anybody can say anything to me. You can send me a dick pic. You can like (laughs) try to say, leave your husband. Like I get those all the time. I'm like, please. Like, go away. That it doesn't, people can say, no, you're a whore. No, you just. And those aren't triggers for you anymore. No, because I'm like, you can judge all you want. You know, we've all, and we're humans. We're all flawed. We've all do do things we're not proud of, but it doesn't make me a bad person. And I'm sitting here saying, if you're with someone that is a sex and love addict, I try to help them. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of families to say, you know, you can do the most perfect thing and it doesn't matter. You cannot change them. They have to change themselves. And you have to set up healthy boundaries around the relationship if you want to stay. Mm -hmm. Then on the other side of it, I help, you know, those suffering understand they are not broken or alone. They just didn't have healthy tools. They didn't have a healthy model of what a healthy relationship looks like. Well, and I think we've said this before. We're all a product of how we were raised, good and bad. Like we all walk around or walk away with things that happened to us in our childhood. Like those, those make scars. 
you know, yeah. everybody walks away with something. I would imagine it's the same situation for someone walking through with any addiction. But I do love how you said that you sponsor thousands of people. I, I'm sure a lot of people don't have the support. It sounds like you have, you know, a support system with your husband and your friends. And I can only imagine, I'm thinking that 20-year-old that set up there, and I don't know his life before his family or friends, but just to be in a room and talk about how broken, I mean, that that's awful. Mm-hmm. Oh. Th- I can't even imagine. And, I, and it's not one addiction that really crossed my mind that would be so hard to overcome. Oh, it's until the, now. It's the last line. No, you don't understand. People with 30 years in AA come in our room and say, I could quit alcohol, but I, they, I, they've been telling me to come to this room and I don't want to be in this room. So they say AA is the last house on the block you want to go to. It's like the bottom line. But really, and they call slaw, that's Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. It's the shack in the back that like nobody wants to go to. Nobody wants to go. It's like to really work on those core issues. It's those core core issues. It's those feelings of not worthy, unlovable, fear of abandonment, fear of intimacy. That is what sits underneath. So if you take away the chemical addiction, you take away the drugs, the alcohol, underneath there's usually an Al-Anon issue with family, right? And then underneath that is usually about relationships, all types of relationships. And that's where sex and love addiction is. Wow. That's why nobody talks keep, about I, it. I think we said wow like 10 <laughs> times. I know. Well, it's also just so enlightening because you said it before. Like, it's just something that people just don't talk about. These This this addiction in particular. Like, people talk about being drug addicts or alcoholics all the time. But it's just something that people just don't talk about as frequently. So it, the, the wow is like, it's mind-blowing. Is mm-hmm. that the right word? Yeah. Um, so, but I hope enlightening. Anyone, anyone that's listening to this right now and think that they can't talk about it, what are some words that have I at Wow words of advice that you could give to people that maybe want to seek help or don't think, you know, there might be some people listening being like, wow, I qualify for that. Or I think that way, or I didn't know I had a problem or I do. And I want to seek help, but I I'm ashamed or mm-hmm. what's just some, you and maybe know, to start with would be the, the website, the, the questions, the 40 questions, okay. self-diagnosed. You should read some. They're amazing. It's like my favorite quiz ever. Okay. So do I, we just Google self-diagnosing? Yes. Yeah. Right. Slaw, S-L-A-A, 40 self-diagnose questionnaire. But then what? And then you fill out those questions. Yes or no. After, what what can you tell people to go ahead and don't be ashamed? Because I think that you said it's a shack in the back that nobody wants to go to. There has to be a reason why they don't feel as comfortable or, oh, I don't need that, or secretly they do. Just what is it that made you finally go to that shack? Well, I just knew that if I didn't stop doing what I was doing, I was going to blow up my life again. And I talk about it in the book, and I walk through this moment where I was like this close to just blowing up my life. And what exactly does that mean, Mm -hmm. blowing up your life? Where you literally are going to cheat again or go back to that bad relationship or— you know, do that thing where you're like, I'm not going to do it. And then you end up doing it. It's like where you promise yourself and then you have no control and you do it anyways. So everybody's bottom line, bottom out is so different. It's not taking a drink. It's like it goes back or say you're not going to get on Instagram and DM and you find yourself like looking for the next hit, the next person to intrigue with, the nudie pictures with, whatever it is. So it's like so different for everybody. Yeah. But If you're struggling out there, the main thing I want to be, there is no shame. There is no stigma. Literally, our entire society is dying over this addiction. I mean, it's true. Look at the divorce rate, okay? Yeah, good point. So look at that and then know you are not alone, that a lot of people suffer from this. And the first thing you have to do is fill out those 40 questions. It says if you get five or more yeses, this might be a program for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, and my number is 
<laughs> was really high. It's in the book. <laughs> it's chapter three. <laughs> it's brutal. But yeah. So the second thing I would say, look online. There's tons of newcomer information. Okay. There's tons of Zoom meetings now all over the world. Like our meetings are 300, 400 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's this amazing community. And people are like, I'm not going to go in a room with a bunch of sex and love addicts. That's like the, ooh, am I going to get like hit on? It's the safest place in the world. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be in a room with a bunch of recovered sex and love addicts than anywhere in the world. So I would say look for that community. Go to therapy. There's something about just saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. I keep doing these things. I keep going back. I keep, you know, becoming a sexual anorexic is another side of it I didn't speak about that nobody speaks about when you've been hurt so bad that you sexually shut down and you stop having relationships. So you can go years. Yeah, you go years, like two, three years. So it's like acting inwardly instead of outwardly. So usually a sex and love addict swings both sides. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that would be talk to a therapist. There's no shame. Look at therapy like a a soul massage is how I explain it. I love therapy. Therapy is the best. It's like you can go in a room, say everything. Someone's not judging Mm -hmm. you and you're getting help. And there's something about that. And then the last thing, if you don't have access to therapy or the meetings or a Zoom or whatever, tell one person, like, I'm struggling in this relationship. I don't know how to get out. Or I'm having these feelings and I want to cheat on my partner. Or I keep going online and hooking up with these people and I don't feel good about it afterwards. And I have like a shame cycle. It's Mm -hmm. like we go through shame and then we do it again and then we're in shame again. Yeah. So it's just vicious cycle. We use people. All right. Can you please just tell everyone where to find your book, the website again? Um, this has been so, I think, enlightening for so many. And I am I feel like I have more of a heart for um, people that have talked about this before, but not as in detail as you did. So I do appreciate that. I feel like I can be there for some friends that have some of this addiction. And it, it's just kind of crazy now that you just kind of putting it. I, I don't want to say like earlier how I was like, dumb it down. You pretty much dumbed it <laughs> down no, for me. But enlightening but, us. I mean, yeah, really, but I do have friends that are going that I feel like have been trying to reach out in a sense. And now I feel like I can be a better friend and kind of be there a little bit more for them after kind of knowing like just the reality of sex and love addiction. Well, I also just love the piece that for those of who may not know about your book yet, they're going to know now. And for the listeners that might relate to this episode and everything that you've shared, the tools that you've given someone to, to start their recovery or to reach out or to say mm-hmm. something out loud. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. And, it, and in the book too, it goes in like massive detail. So you'll see you're not alone and there's so many different stories. And it also takes you through Hollywood as a working actress and how horrible it is and grueling. But there's this beautiful thing where I, I type out all the red flags, looking for those red flags, looking for dating plans, sober dating plans that can help people. Yeah. So it's a very like self-help. There's 10 rules that Roxanne lives by. So it's finding your own God, finding yourself love, you know, walking through the fire, letting it burn, comparing despair, getting rid of it. So there's, it's like helpful and there's exercises, but it also takes you on a journey of understanding sex and love addiction. And you can go on Amazon, secret like of a Hollywood sex and love addict and get it. Listen to Audible, which I act out and it was torture, but you'll enjoy it. <laughs> and I'm really proud I did it. I had to listen to the eight and a half hours afterwards. Wow. But I was like eight and a half hours. Eight Eight and a half hours. We can do that in two trips on the 405. Wow. Yeah, right. We can. (laughs) But no, tell people, you know, they are not alone if those friends that go back to bad relationships, have them just look it up because there's something about going, oh, that's why I did that. Yeah. Then I have a way out. Now Mm -hmm. there's tools. Now I can set up these things for myself where it's not like I'm just doing things at a whim and I don't know why I keep doing them. 
And I want to say this. Um, I just started the book, but I think this is a good read for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think, like I just said, I feel like I can be a better friend to those that are, you know, maybe in the start of this or feeling these emotions. And so you really want to just expand that book to absolutely everyone. So I don't want them to think like it's just for, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it's help, not just help for me say because this is and your book. Also some, there is also some humor and stuff in the book oh, too. It's, it's not this dark read. No, it is, no. It is a yeah. funny, good book as well with putting well, the meat of your story or Roxanne's story in it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think being an actress and I've directed three movies and a producer. I when I wrote it, I wrote it like you're watching a TV show or a movie, and I made it where it's fun because every recovery book I've ever read about sex and love addiction, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. the trauma, the, the, they're going to act out. Like, it's so, I would read a page and it's so academic and clinical. I'd throw it against the wall. I'm like, I don't want to read that. That's so depressing. Yeah. So I made it really self-deprecating and funny. There's laugh out loud moments where you're like, oh my God, she puked on who, like <laughs> who Superstar is and Cool Girl are and Tattoo Girl. And I change everybody's name to these fun names and you can try to guess them. But yeah, I make it really light and funny. And it's like a chiclet book. So I made it like a chiclet memoir self-help book. So it's like this hybrid. And it's, I'm really, really proud of it. And there's two, three more books coming know, out. This, oh, wow. Is that crazy? Yeah, That's there's three very more. exciting. Yeah. We That's see really Roxanne exciting. go through it all. We're just going to go along the ride and see if she fails and slips and bombs and gets back up and admits defeat and says, I'm trying to be a better person because that's what we're trying to do in life, right? Like we all fail and we're like, okay, I surrender. I'm going to try better this time. Yeah. Could you imagine yourself sitting here like 12 years later, writing your own book, having three more coming out and just being in this place? No. I mean, it must just feel a sense of like, I don't know, gratitude or just like I'm I'm doing this and I'm helping others and I'm telling myself someone's story. Well, like it is my story. It is your story. Right. It's just proud like, too yeah. for how far you've come. You yeah. know? Thank you. Like, that's, it's really awesome. But Thank you're also you. helping people. I, I really feel like I need to start helping others in some way. So <laughs> you drove me here today and that was helpful. I did drive you. Yes. Yes. I was your Uber driver. She's like helping millions of people, but I helped you, Deanna, today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, no, that's the whole reason. Listen, I didn't write it for me. Like yeah. I was fine. I was living my beautiful. I have yeah. a son now, which I never wanted to be married or have a child. Like I have a very full life. I have friends that love me. I have healthy relationships. There's no drama in my life. That's another thing. If there's drama in your relationships, that's probably an issue. Like you should not have drama with people. Mm-mm. So that's another Mm-mm. thing. I'm like, is no, there you any choose drama? These people. Exactly. No, 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 what do you? Yeah. Mm-mm. You're reacting this situation over and over again. But yeah, when I wrote it, it wasn't a for me. It's to help other people because yeah. I'm doing my 12 step every day is being of service. So some mornings I wake up and I'm like, why did I do this book? Why am I talking? Why am I? Why? Why? I don't. And then I open my email and there's like, I'm gonna cry. Oh my. There's like 24 emails or like DMs saying like, for the first time in my life, I don't feel so alone. Oh. Like, I understand why my husband or my wife does that. My mom used to do that. My my friend does that. Like, and to give people the hope, like there is a way out of that cycle of being in bad relationships, mm-hmm. abusing yourself, putting yourself in situations that are dangerous, all that stuff. So... That's why I did it. I know. I didn't do it for me. No, but all of that stuff, you know, those days where you're saying like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You're getting those 24 emails of people that you don't know and think of how you've touched their life with a book. That's pretty badass. A lot of people go through life and not be able to. 
Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, incredible. I mean, that, There's a special place in it. heaven for you. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Well, just the other Friday, yeah. it was interesting. There was a, a women's meeting and literally there was four women in there that read the book and I gave them the info for the meeting and they're in there like oh, spilling gosh. their like, I'm suffering from this or I'm going through this. And it was just like, thank you. Like, that's why I did it. I didn't do it for me or to sell books. I do love to entertain because I'm an actress, but that yeah. is, that's well, not what it's about. paychecks are helpful too. I mean, well, we yeah, making money, but it's pay still. a mortgage, but still. <laughs> that's really awesome. That's Thanks. so great. Okay, so tell everybody well, where I, they can I, find I, you I'm on. glad you slid into my DMs. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right? Right? It's so nice to like learn more and actually hear about your story. But I do want you to tell people where they can find you on Instagram because I see you doing lots of Instagram TV lives and mm-hmm. stuff like that where you're chatting with people and you're pretty real and vulnerable when you do yeah. those as well. So maybe the people who are reading your book or haven't heard about it yet or might have questions after this episode, it'd be really great to direct them to your Instagram. Yes, please. If you have any questions, reach out to me at the Brianne Davis or TikTok, Davis, And I answer every DM. I try to, unless you send me gross pictures, please, (laughs) I will block you. But yeah, reach out. I will send you information. I will help you find a way. You know, I'll direct you to a therapist I've done. So yeah, I'm here to be of service and just to open the door to this horrible, deadly disease that nobody talks about and has so much shame and stigma, especially as a woman to say it. So there is help out there. I love that. Thank you so much. Like this was really great. I think I anticipated this episode to be like our normal bubbly, funny kind of thing. (laughs) But I like really, really appreciate, you know, your honesty and your vulnerability and to come in here and share that with Jessica and I on flashbacks. Like this has been really great. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Deanna, I got to do better in this world besides giving you a ride to to work. (laughs) Seriously. Um, All right, you guys, this is Flashbacks. I'm Jessica Hall. I'm Deanna Stagliano. 